this is why I need to be about. Never am I more myself than when I am putting words together for kingdom work. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 135 of the Ethan Booster podcast. How are you doing? We hope that this episode on numbers, this month-long feature on numbers, is helpful to you. Last week, talking to a good friend about attendance numbers and recording them, categorizing them. Today, we're talking with a friend, an author friend, who has written a book called 100 Days, The Glory Experiment. And it is a radical, cool, ingenious idea on one of the ways in which a discipleship devotional group could spark in the life of your youth ministry off campus, on campus. You're going to love our guest today, Angela Sanders, who brings almost two decades worth of youth ministry experience and writing. And so if you have ever wrestled and labored with youth ministry curriculum or writing, she feels your pain and has worked to write really great stuff. And you're going to love her insight, her knowledge, and her warmth that she shares today about the enterprise of youth ministry, the task and the calling of youth ministry, and moving students from just that first encounter with Jesus into a realm of depth and leadership that we all hope our students move into in the realm of discipleship. So enjoy this interview with Angela and her excellent, excellent ideas on youth ministry and devotion and discipleship. And I will catch you back at the end to fill in the gaps and tell you about some really cool things. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another really exciting interview episode of Youth Ministry Booster because Sometimes we get to talk to our friends, and then on other occasions, we get to talk to a person who is really our favorite part of the couple anyway, <laughs> and today we have Angela Sanders on the show. So for a lot of our Oklahoma friends, uh, Todd the Sanders is a member of our state convention folks leading youth ministry stuff, but I think I have suspicions that Angela has done a little bit of leading and writing and designing of her own and has shown up in a lot of places that maybe you didn't even recognize. So Ms. Angela, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Zach. Thanks. We we are excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, this is long overdue, but it's in <laughs> good timing because of what we'll talk about later. Right. Uh, but I would love for folks just to get to know you and meet you. I feel like for a lot of our friends, um, they uh, they probably have maybe glimpsed or even put hands on some of the things that you've written or been about and not mm-hmm. even known it. So maybe tell us mm-hmm. a little of your story. Uh, why in the wild world of everything uh, would you be still in the midst of youth ministry? <laughs> that is a hard question to answer. Um, as far as, you know, you had asked me to tell a little bit about my calling to begin with is, you know, I, I accepted Christ when I was six years old. Um, when I was in the sixth grade, I started uh, feeling God calling me to something more. Didn't know mm. what that was. Looking back, um, I understand that all that was happening is I was understanding that there was a requirement of me as a okay. child of God. And that it wasn't that there was more to my salvation than just being rescued from hell. Mm. That there was, um, that God had something for me, wanted me to play a part in his plan. And I believe we're all called to be ministers and missionaries. And so uh, for me, I think that calling story or the time I went down front and said, whatever God wants for me, that's what I'm going to do. I think yeah. it's more of just kind of an awakening than anything. Okay. Um, so, but I uh, didn't really have any training in vocational ministry, just kept trying to pursue the Lord, uh, went through a really difficult patch in high school um, that I don't, I mean, I don't think it's really that necessary to go into, but um, when I went to college, that was really the first time that anyone gave me a leadership, a leadership position mm. uh, within the church, Big C. In high okay. school, I was a part of every club because um, I got to be an officer, got to help. 
um, coordinate things and people and got relationships out of it. Um, but I never really got that chance um, in the church, in the youth group per se. Um, so it wasn't until college that Todd and I both, well, we met at the uh, BSU, the Baptist Student Union. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't until I got there, actually the very first day, someone put me in charge of the small group. Okay. And it was the thing that changed my life because they, 30, they, they gave it to you or you asked for it. Like what was, no, what was that moment? Okay. They said you should lead this. Yes. Um, my youth minister in high school, um, that last summer that we went to Falls Creek, you know, I expressed, you know, I do this kind of thing everywhere else, but I want to be about God's work. And I didn't know what that mm. looked like. I didn't know what that meant at that time, you know, that we're talking about 89 Really, the only options that were ever presented to girls was that you could be a children's minister or a minister's wife. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It just Mm -hmm. didn't seem to match what I felt like God was laying on my heart. And so there was a little bit of frustration there, I think. Uh, But when I went to college, my youth minister had contacted the BSU director. And so he came and found me and said, hey, Angela, would you like to lead a small family group? And I said, absolutely. And then he put me in charge of a couple of committees. And I think that the accountability that came with those assignments and his enthusiasm and belief in me is what um, really sparked something in me and and let me know that I could be a valuable contributing, not just taking member Mm. of the church. And so um, that's how that began. Todd and I met at, at, um, at the BCM. Sorry, I'm call it BCM now. I'm trying to be modern. <laughs> the, um, the, at, the, the college ministry yes, unit on right. campus. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So we met there and and we married. And it's interesting though, uh, Todd also had felt God calling him to something special. And we didn't again, we didn't have a word for it, just something more, which mm. we understand is vocational ministry. He surrendered to that right before college as well. We met, we're best friends, dated, married, never discussed it. So um okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, so I, okay, we have to pause there. Cause so, <laughs> so I'm hearing you say like you were heavily involved in leadership opportunities outside the yes. church because they presented themselves to you, but then in right, college yeah. you got involved in the college ministry, both you and Todd boyfriend, together. now husband at the time together were involved in serving in places and then just never talked about vocational stuff. Never like say more there. No. We need more there, please. <laughs> yeah. He was going, Todd was in pre-med. That okay. was the direction he was heading. Um, I wanted to be... Which is uh, not really where he's at right now no, for a different episode. <laughs> no, he, was a, he was a zoology major yeah. you know, when we were dating. Um, but no, and I wanted to be a writer. I was told that, you know, you can't make a living that way. You probably ought to teach. And, and teaching <laughs> is one of my, which that's ironic, but... Um, right. <laughs> but, but I feel like know, anybody who's not a writer, like that's the thing. That's like their sage. That's their right. like sage writer advice is you're probably not going to make it. Like that's right. a, just like same for musicians too. Like we're just going to help everybody out by saying you're not going to make it. And it's like that quest of like, I will show you otherwise. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but I bought it. I totally bought it. Oh, you bought you know, in. Okay. I okay. Did. And um, I became um, an English teacher. Okay. And, um, but again, that kind of fit into my gift set. My spiritual, one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. And so it, I felt like my ministry during that time when I was in the public school classroom was, um, helping students communicate well, because whatever they're calling on their lives, you know, from the Lord, being able to communicate well was going to help them do that more effectively. So I felt like I was contributing to the body during Mm -hmm. that time. And I, and I can see so many ways it's fed what I've done, but you know, back to the story, I was, I was going to be an English teacher. Todd was going into medicine. Uh, It was uh, spring break before graduation. 
And I went to visit my parents. Todd stayed back in, at OSU because he was a trainer at OSU in, um, for their sports programs. And uh, my home church was without a youth minister. Uh, he had just left. Uh, and the pastor called Todd and said, hey, you know, you've exhibited some skill sets that we think would be valuable here. Do you think that you would be interested in being our interim youth minister? And so he called me and told me about it. And he said, funny thing, um, I, I, you know, this hasn't ever come up before, but I should probably tell you that in high school, I felt God calling me to some sort of ministry, something more. And I said, oh, great. I said, well, funny you should say that because I did in sixth grade as well. And so within a matter of 24 hours and prayer apart and then together, we just did a complete about face. And, um, okay. and that, was, that was where we were headed from that moment on. Because of the opportunity that presented itself. Yeah. I mean, it it is crazy how many people felt the Lord leading them to call us or Mm. contact us or trust us with some position of leadership that made absolutely no logical sense to Mm. us. To you, to you, right. To us, yeah. And then when they followed through on it, it was just affirming. And And then what was your role? I know that's one of the things that that we'll talk about more is Mm -hmm. that uh, all along the way, even though like love and support your husband. And I think he's great. I know that you also think he's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, you have not only served inside like the congregations at which you were, you know, kind of called to working at, mm-hmm. but also have like cultivated your own ministry of yes. writing and teaching alongside right. that. Maybe, maybe you share, like, would you share the trajectory of that? So if you're moving uh-huh. around, so you and Todd that summer, kind of like the, the, the couple direction, your direction together as a couple mm-hmm. shifts, but maybe your own kind of trajectory in. So Todd is serving in youth ministry at a couple mm-hmm. different churches around the state. What, what, right. are, where, what is your direction and trajectory in, this, in those seasons and years? Right. Okay. Well, um, when, when we went to Cushing, I, you know, and maybe this is just how Todd and I are. I don't know, but we consider ourselves one in every way. I mean, any endeavor that he is a part of, I'm also a part of. Mm. And so I considered myself on staff and not everybody does. Not everyone feels that way, but I felt like if he was going to be in youth ministry, there were some things he couldn't do for the girls in that ministry that I could. Mm. And, um, and that girl and light and, you know, flip flop, the guys needed to see things from me and the Mm. girls needed to see things from Todd. We felt like one of our ministries was to have a healthy marriage Marriage, in front of them and invite them into it and let them see us not just succeed, but also struggle and learn Mm. and be open about that process so that when they went through things that it wasn't a shock to them. So we wanted, we wanted them to be part of our family. So I did, I was part of everything Todd was a part of. Um, Every event we did. I mean, I just don't know how else to explain that. So while we were in Cushing, um, I did teach. It was a really unique situation because our principal there really welcomed Todd into the school. And so he was able to hang out at the school a lot Mm. of the day. They even had signups for our youth events in Mm. the school office. So it was just very natural for him to be a part of my school and for for me to be a part of the youth group. It just kind of overlapped that way. And so the, Hunter, the minister at the church and then the missionary at the school. I like it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. and so we literally, even though we, we technically worked in two different places, we spent most of every week together, yeah. you know, working towards the, the overlap. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it was a great atmosphere in Cushing at that time. You know, the churches cooperated. Um, we did a lot of um, community group event, you know, several churches together would cooperate to do events. Mm-hmm. We weren't competing with one another. It was just a really happy, healthy time. And that was when our children were born. I wasn't doing any writing during that time, but I was teaching Bible studies. So I was writing Bible studies that I would teach, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't pursuing that as as an individual calling or career or anything like that. Um, when we went to Oklahoma City, again, felt very blessed. Not only did I consider myself the other half of what Todd did in youth ministry, and we were kind of a two-for-one deal, um, but the staff there at that time was very welcoming and accepting of me. I know not all women have that luxury, not all mm-hmm. wives um, have the leadership of the church welcoming their input and their presence all the time. Um, but Dr. Ted Kirsch was the pastor at that time. And there was a time Todd went out of town and he asked if I wanted to sit in staff meeting for him so I could relay what they talked about. Okay. That was the level of trust and involvement yeah. that I was, I was given and allowed. Um, but during that time, um, I, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a girly girl in the technical sense, but I am not someone who enjoys sports. I hate paintball. I hate, you know, <laughs> disc golf, sweaty things. I don't yeah. like okay. that stuff. Okay. Seemed like that was so much of what youth mm-hmm. ministry was in that day was let's get together around this active event. And all these girls would come together and I try to have conversations with them. And we didn't have the opportunity because the event itself didn't foster that kind of connection. Right. Unless, right. You know, unless it's, it's hard. It's hard to have meaningful conversation on the oh, field. <laughs> yeah. Well, and by the way, if I ever did those things, I just went and tried to be out fast. And right. So, right. I'll get out first. <laughs> yeah. And I'll sacrifice, you know, you need someone to take a hit. I'll do it. And I'll Got it. Side and then I can talk to everyone. Um, but I started talking to some of the girls and I asked them, I said, what, what do you need from us that you're not getting? Mm. It was on this mission trip. There were about four or five of us. And they rattled off a list so quick that it almost made my head spin. I thought, okay, we need something more specific to these girls. And so, um, we started a girls ministry, which we called Kai Circle, you know, a circle around Christ. I don't even remember how we got, but the idea behind it was we wanted to create a sorority of inclusion mm. instead of exclusion, which is what you so often find. I started writing intentionally Bible studies for that. Mm. And um, during that time, uh, God started laying little stories on my heart, which made absolutely no sense because there was no venue for that sort of thing at that time. There were no blogs. There was no, you know, I mean, unless you were a column columnist, there was really no outlet for There was only print media. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I sent some things to the messenger at that time and they printed some of my, what I called stories in the voices section, which is the back section. And um, I just kept having these ideas in the middle of the night and God would wake me up. And so I'd write them down. Um, mm. When Zanga came around. Yeah. Year, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. I'm really ever, ever heard of it ever. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So I had Zanga and MySpace. And I remember when one of my students who was extremely introverted told me that I needed to be on something called Facebook because mm. that's where she felt like she could actually talk to me because she was so shy face-to-face. I joined Facebook. Okay. Um, and then blogs started that sort of thing. All of a mm. sudden, I had an outlet for these stories mm. um, that I'd been writing. And so that was kind of cool. I started writing for um, the Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. Their, um, 
the journalistic profiles that they use to send to donors so they know what's happening with the kids and they mm. can continue to be supported. Just all those little things. Again, those are not those are not things that I really sought out. Those are things that happened to me. These stories just kind of came to me. Mm. The person from the children's homes called me and asked me if I would write these things. And over time, I started realizing, you know, this is what I need to be about. Never am I more myself than when I am putting words together for kingdom work. But mm. I mean, that is me. That is like who I am. You feel alive when you're writing. Like that's, that's, that's life giving for you. Cause yeah, writing is absolutely. like the most life draining thing they could have. So yeah. No, I mean, when I'm in a project, three and four hours can go by and I don't know it. Mm. You know, um, it's just, it is. It's it's what I'm meant to do. And, you know, when I realized, hey, there really is an outlet for this. These people were just feeding me a line, you know, back in the day because they didn't know. And I realized this is something that I can do and I can express myself and maybe even be read by people that might not be opening open to listening mm. to a woman speak, per se. They might read something that she wrote. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. When you were writing, did you did you understand it as this is a way for me to have a platform into places that I might not be asked to speak into? No, that is something that I realized after the fact. Okay. Because okay. I only ever really expected to hear back from women and okay. people that had been in our youth group or people that knew me. Okay. And when I heard back from men, it was kind of a pleasant surprise, but that was never really what I was aiming to do. I I wrote because um, the older I got, the more I realized that my upbringing, my family life was really rare. Mm. Um, I came from a full family of believers, parents, um, my sister, grandparents, aunt, uncles, cousins, all professed to be Christians. Um, And so talk about scripture, talk about the kingdom work, about church work, because so many of them are on church staff. You know, my cousin is Tim Martin at uh, First Baptist East in Lawton. And and we were really close growing up. And he could tell you our family, it was normal to talk Mm -hmm. about God. But as I realized that that how rare that was, I felt compelled to share the truth that I'd been taught, whatever Mm -hmm. avenue that was. And for me, what came most naturally was writing. Actually, (laughs) as as much as I do get to speak now um, and teach and lead, I will tell you it is the most uncomfortable thing that I ever do. Um, it, it makes me physically ill actually. And so every, I know that, but I'm sick for days before I speak. I get that nervous, um, Mm. about it. And, uh, but still I feel like I'm supposed to, and every time piece of the puzzle. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Okay. Well, tell, tell me a little bit more. I think for a lot of folks that are that are listening, that, that you know, writing is a component of what they do, uh, whether or not it's their favorite part. I mean, I think for a lot of folks, whether they're compiling sermons or um, trying to draft um, letters to parents, or you know, put together you know materials or curriculum for for their students, like what what is it about writing that you've learned um, that has made it? a spiritual thing. So I think for a lot of folks, I mean, maybe the content feels spiritual, but one of the things that you shared earlier is that you felt like alive or mm-hmm. that it gave you life when you wrote. I, th- I think for mm-hmm. uh, maybe just if you, if you can name that in a way uh, for some folks that are listening, that it, it's not just like, it's different than f- filling out invoices for a church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no, I, I don't, you know, if I ever were to write for, you know, just for the sake of writing, 
um, I feel like it would be a misuse of the gift that God has given me. And I've actually, you know, I told him, and I think I started to say this earlier and then lost track of what I was saying, but, um, I asked God early on when I realized that people were listening, mm. um, realized what a responsibility that was. I told him that if I ever started to write for myself or um, do anything that wasn't advancing his kingdom or was somehow communicating uh, falsehood, that he would strip me of the ability completely. Mm. Um, and for me, that's, you know, I can get emotional about that. That's a big deal because that's who I am to me, you know? And so I, I'd rather not be than not be able to mm. communicate um, that way. So, um, so anyway, I, I, I just think that rather than focusing on the craft and you have to develop that, you have to spend time getting good at something um, and for me, a lot of, you know, teaching English helps tremendously, but I've also, because I didn't get to go back and get my master's or work on my doctorate or anything. Cause we have three of us in school already. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't get to do that. So I kind of tried to craft my own master's program, read every book on the craft, um, magazines for 12 years, read every issue of writer's digest, the writer, all those things just to hone the craft. But first and foremost, the message is the thing and Mm. you have to make sure that you're not caught up on, you know, great turns of phrase or trying to manipulate a response. Never want to do that. If you ever do that, you need to just stop what you're doing and come back at it. Check yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. But to know what it is that God wants you to say, not what you want someone to hear, but what God wants you to say and then figure out the best way to say that and leave the way that it's received up to him. And mm. I've, and I've noticed that when I'm most focused on the message, the rest of it comes. And when I am, uh, too focused on how I come across or what I really want to do, or this might be cool. I can't do it. Mm. I, it. I can't produce. And so I would just say, uh, to people who are struggling with it or whatever, don't worry so much about the details. Don't try to get everything right. The, the first time, first and foremost, make sure that what you're saying is what God wants you to say. Second of all, that you're saying it accurately. Mm. Um, And then you can go back and you can polish. And I think Mm. that's why I prefer writing to speaking because when you're speaking, um, you're saying it. You don't get it back and you can't edit. And boy, if you put your foot in your mouth, you're, you know, you can be sunk. Of course you're going to edit this. So. <laughs> I that's, hope. that's why this is my medium. This is it. This, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's spoken but edited. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the things that we write and when we record the thoughts that God has given us, um, you know, that that makes it part of history and it's something mm-hmm. that other people can learn from. And mm-hmm. I get kind of concerned because, you know, when I was in uh college and a uh, young adult, my parents and I sent letters and we have all these rich truths that my parents invested in me and record of the ways that I struggled written down. Um, we have none of that. Like both our kids are in college now and we don't have that kind of communication. It's all in text mm. and email and things that are going to disappear. And so I wonder how many times we're going to reinvent the wheel as a church because we haven't taken the time to record what God's doing in our lives. I just think it's an important thing that everyone should be doing no matter how good mm. or bad they think they are at that. Okay. Well, that, that leads us into some of the questions that I have for you. So you have a new book coming out that has dropped this uh, last month, this month? May 1st, yeah. Uh, May 1st. 100 Days, The Glory Experiment. Yes. 100 Days, The Glory Experiment. And, and I think it's such a fascinating thing because uh, I've known you and I've 
been around and been a part of some of the things that you've written and utilized for various youth ministry events or camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why a uh, devotional guide? Why a series of, um, uh, of, of, of learnings for uh, a student? Like, w- why was that the project? Why was that? Was it always the project? And if so, why was that the project? Um, yes. Um, again, um, there were some truths that God was teaching me about his glory, what it meant and how often I just go through the motions of, and and use churchy words without really thinking about what they mean. And glory Mm -hmm. was one of those. Um, and just understanding what glory God's glory was, how we're supposed to be serving it. Those are things that I was learning on my own, but um, it was something I wanted to get across. And, you know, I, like you mentioned, I, ha- I have done a lot of, of writing for the convention and other ministry entities, you know, done a lot of ghost writing. Um, and I love to write for the convention and other people that can then distribute it because they have a wider reach than I do. Mm. And then, you know, I can be, um, do my part financially for my family, but then the people on the other end of that, um, receive it for free. So I prefer to go through the convention and, mm-hmm. and other ministry entities are going to be able to provide these things to people. But um, this project that I had in mind where um, people would learn about God's glory, what it actually meant, and, and not just learn and gain knowledge, but actually put into practice what they learned, there wasn't an outlet for that. There wasn't any department that needed it. There was no ministry that needed it. There was no way for the BGCO um, to provide a book for individuals, as many individuals as might want to use this. And so mm. uh, I knew it had to be an independent project, something that I did on my own in, in my extra time. Um, and I wanted to do a devotional because there are some truths that are just too big to grasp all at once. Mm. And I think this is one of those things. Um, you know, <laughs> and a hundred's kind of daunting. I mean, I have to tell you, like a yeah, hundred, yeah. like I mean, you know, in, in a world where some some folks are delivering things in you know seven or four weeks or thirty days, yeah. uh, that was what, what caught me was that you had written a, th- a project that was you know three months worth of stuff if, right. if taken at a daily level, and I think that's uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's a big that's a, obviously a big truth chunked into into smaller units but that's just a big project in general it is it is but the thing was when I first started it I wanted it to be something that was very accessible what I had in mind was kind of like um like a trail guide kind of thing like a like one of those uh, moleskin journals that someone Mm. could just stick in their pocket just versus simple questions that would just lead people to mull this idea over and work through it and it was just going to be you know quick quick every day but as I explored the top and, and realized this is the key to our Christian existence is mm-hmm. this is that thing we're all supposed to be accomplishing. It was too big to stay in that format unless I added days because the study itself, the content would have been worthy of like one of those uh, thick Beth Moore in depth, take you yeah. 32 minutes to an hour a day. And that's not what I wanted. I think devotional size Bible studies are more digestible and give us more opportunity to think about what we're learning and actually put them into practice. So they become a part of what we're doing. You know, um, mm. you don't train for a marathon in a week. Right. Um, and hopefully what people are, are going to do as a result of this study, is going to uh, result in lot permanent life change. And so that is something that is best worked up to and taken in small bites and a little bit of informa- information every day. Um, 
but yeah, actually, <laughs> actually it was 200 days. So we, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I cut it down to 100. That that's a good semester's worth of material yeah. is how I finally landed on that. But then also 100 was memorable, mm. um, and visibly noticeable, like mm. from across the room on a book cover or whatever. I'm hoping that when people go in the store, they can see the 100. Mm. And even if they don't know the whole title, kind of like what you were saying is like, well, it's a 100, it's orange. It's what, you what know, yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I, I think it's important for students to do devotionals. Um, not all the time. I mean, I, I wrote the Devo to End All Devos for the convention. So, I mean, obviously there's a point at which students have to be independent yeah. of of a guide and be able to pick up the Bible anywhere on their own and study that. And that's important. Mm. But I think for this is not just a devotional for their own growth, but this is also um, an all-in-one discipleship guide that makes it easy for them to go and make disciples. Mm. Um, so that's to me, the more important aspect of it, even more important than the individual devotional mm. is the ability for an individual to pick this up, a student who's maybe even a brand new Christian and give it to friends, start a 100 days group. And the 100 days groups aren't content delivery. They're just discussions. So even mm. brand new believers can't mess it up and they can sit together and talk about what God is teaching them. And the ones that do know a lot of the basic information that's in it, um, they'll be challenged then uh, in the way that you're only challenged when you take responsibility for others, when you're mm-hmm. accountable to others and you know people are looking to you and you're trying to lead. You, it bumps you to the next level mm-hmm. spiritually, I think. And we don't give our kids enough credit for being able to lead, but to put this devotional in their hands and they would be able to not just learn this truth uh, in increments and make it be a permanent life change, but also bring other people along in the process and Mm. see the Holy spirit at work. You know, I think there are a lot of kids that think discipleship is just a class we do at church and it it shouldn't be that discipleship should be organic. Mm. Um, uh, It should be a viral thing at the Holy spirit's leading in individual hearts. And that's what I was trying to create in this. Mm. Um, So that uh, like, and, and two, you know, it says 100 days. I'm hoping it'll go beyond 100 days because yeah. by design, a 100 days group is ongoing and cyclical and ha- it can go indefinitely because mm-hmm. after the person who started it finishes the 100 day challenge to live for God's glory only, they pass off leadership to someone else mm-hmm. and then they continue to invite new people. The The discussion questions are not specific to any uh, specific guides within the mm-hmm. whole, they apply to all equally. So you can be on day 83, invite someone news on day one mm-hmm. and every single person in the group be on a different day. And because of the way the questions are written, they can, um, they can still discuss what's got, what God is doing. So kids should keep entering and keep leaving and starting new groups mm-hmm. and let it break off. And so that's actually the beauty of this. And I don't think that that process would have time to fully grow and develop if it wasn't 100 days. It, it, need, it needs that, that length. And I think yeah. that, that's the question I want to ask more about, because I think for a lot of uh, student pastors, like we, whether we're honest or not, hopefully if we are honest enough to say, like we struggle knowing how to like hit that next gear. Like we, we, right. we want students to, to understand. We want students to, to come to faith, to come to church, but the gap from, I want you here like in attendance and in presence 
and that I want you to lead is not always well paved. It, it, it feels right. a little more rocky. It feels a little less guided. And, and I like that the, there is some runway to that. So maybe if you want to speak about that some more, because I think you have written enough for enough people. You have um, created enough for enough different opportunities, camps, or events. Like what, what, is, what, is, what does it take to go from that like first gear into the next gear? Is, is it, is it enough time? Is it enough repetition? Like that's, I mean, you kind of alluded to it that we don't always need devotions, but there is definitely seasons in life where we do. So like what, what is the thing about it that gets us from like wide eyed and new to something into like ingrained in something that's not just like routine for routine's sake, but helps kind of bump us or move the needle towards a life of more faithfulness. Mm. And the students, um, well, I mean, and when I refer back to the things that, and I say, Todd and I always, I don't want anyone to misunderstand that. I think that we knew how to do it. I don't, I, I don't ever want to come across that way. It's just, that's the only frame of reference that I have. But, um, we, we were in the local church and youth ministry for 18 years. And, and for me, um, and I don't want to speak for Todd too, but, um, you know, evangelism was key. Evangelism was key, and in everything that we did, we wanted to present the gospel. We wanted to give kids a chance to accept Christ, and um, but at the same time, there's always this trepidation of we do this event for evangelism's sake. What do we do with them after? And so we wanted to always try to make sure that there was a, a catching place for them, whether that was a, a really strong Sunday school class. Um, usually, that was it. Making sure there were other adults besides us investing mm-hmm. in these kids. Um, and uh, where they would get a solid foundation. So they need to be a part of an ongoing program. But I really, really think that we need to be releasing, um, and we always experience more success this way, releasing responsibility to our students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we don't do that because we think the things that we can offer them, they would not want to do or or be insulted by because it wasn't a big thing. You would be shocked by the things that, that kids will get a hold of, you know, we had one kid in our youth group in Oklahoma city, uh, Brian Cates, and he's now, um, the, um, the director film. I don't know which I'm sure there's a really good name for it. I don't want to just say videographer because he does the films for the skit guys, Yeah. but you know what he did in our youth ministry was he, he filmed silly toilet videos that we showed at the beginning of every Bible state, which seems ridiculous, but that was a gift that he had an interest that Mm -hmm. he had. And so we tried to let every kid have a place where they could serve to present them some opportunities to, because that's exactly what had happened to us. Even if Mm -hmm. it was like passing out the snacks or, you're responsible for this or you're responsible Mm. for that and try to delegate as much as possible. We did have worship band and all that, those, you know, typical things. But then we also tried to have kids help us plan events, be responsible for parts of events. And again, those are things that as adults, it's hard to let go of because if you do let go of those, they're going to fail sometimes. But, um, I think kids need to feel that they need Mm. to understand this isn't just a nominal position you know, the body works together. And if you fail this, then we don't have that aspect, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I think it's important to give them responsibility as, as quickly as possible, which is why I wrote this the way that I wrote it, because I wanted something that a kid, even if this is going to sound terrible, but I don't mean it this way, but even if the youth minister didn't believe in them, Mm. you know, um, fine, start a campus club. You know, you don't have to have, 
every adult stamp of approval on you. All you need is is God's approval mm. and the authority He's given you by His Holy Spirit within you mm. to make a difference in this mm. world. You can pick up this Bible study. You can do this. You can bring friends around you, and you can lead them into a deeper relationship with Christ. You can evangelize them. This this book is very gospel heavy, mm. and they can't be in it for three days without being confronted by yeah. the gospel and required to respond. So this is something that kids that don't even know a plant, you know, a um, an evangelistic tool yet. They have this mm. and they can just flat out read it with their friends if they want to. And mm. then they don't, they're not led to believe that somehow you have to be in college before you can come back and lead a D now to really count yeah, in the right, group right. or, or be an adult and be in the choir or whatever. Um, I think it's just important that we identify the gifts and abilities that individual students have and just plug them in as quickly as possible because mm. they feel responsibility and that's what gets them excited. We get them, we get them back from camp retreats, things like that. They're on fire. They've learned something. And then it's almost like, I think, <laughs> I think it's almost like we cause them to question whether it was real or not, not in our words, but by our response to their enthusiasm. It's mm. almost like, yeah, that's great. Now let me just slip you onto the back burner for a few so years. Get back to what we were doing, everybody. Back to what yeah, we were doing. Yeah, like, oh, that's nice. And yes, we know what you're going through, but here's reality. No, reality is that mm. when they accept Christ, they were gifted by the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts that need to be identified and developed. And they, needed, they need to be trusted to be an active part of the body. That's, those are my thoughts. That's really, I, sorry, again, I got quiet because it got good. Uh, <laughs> like, anytime you hear me talk on the podcast a lot, it's because it's not good. I'm trying to help. Uh, that was great. Well, and Angela, thank you so much uh, for sharing today. I've been challenged by it. If folks want to pick up copies of 100 Days for their students, so maybe start this summer even. Maybe maybe this summer is a chance to spend the 100 days of summer doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can they find the book and how can they follow up with you if they have more questions about this resource or other resources you've worked on? Okay. Yeah. Um, they can get the book at any Lifeway store. Um, it's going to be in stock, you know, forever. Um, and then, or they can order it at lifeway.com. I don't know if there's any kind of uh, group discount. Several people have asked me that. I don't yeah. know. Um, if you look on the, if, if you want, if you go to the store and you're trying to decide what you think about it, they need to go open the book, read the how to use section. It's like three very short pages and then the group discussion guide in the back. And then there are several review days throughout. And it will explain to them how the viral discipleship concept works and okay. show them how students are guided to, to walk through this resource, what it requires of them, that sort of thing. Um, but in the front of the book, there's a place that's about the author. My website is on there. Um, you can email me from the website if you want more ideas on how to use the material or you want to review uh, in a very quick snapshot, what it is, how it works, the things I kind of extrapolated on here. Um, yeah. And you can always, I mean, you can email me if you want to talk on the phone, just send me your phone number and we can talk. Um, so is that what you asked? That's good. That's great. Well, Miss Angela, thank you so much. Uh, again, this is an exciting project. And for us, this, uh, kind of month in the summer, thinking about things that we can give our students as helpful tools. And this is one of them. So thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, there you go. That's our interview with Angela Sanders, the 100 Days 
glory experiment is available in the links down below you can actually go and download a pdf sample see a whole chapter check it out i know sometimes the resources you want to see them you want to put your hands on them you can actually print out a chapter look it over check it out it looks great smells great feels great you're going to love it and i think your students will too give it a chance this summer there's 100 days of summer 100 days to wrangle wrestle with this experiment and see in the ways in which it could infuse some discipleship efforts for your students. It is such a graspable resource, and I think it's a really helpful tool. Speaking of helpful tools, next week is really exciting. It's the launch of Grow Curriculum Volume 2. So if you are thinking about upping the game for curriculum, or if you're already a Grow subscriber and you would love to have Youth Ministry Booster go with your Grow, then check out the link below so that next week when it goes live, you can get Grow Volume 2 and Youth Ministry Booster for one amazing price. Thank you for listening. If you get a chance, subscribe, rate, and review. You guys stay awesome, and we'll talk with you next week. I'm going to turn your world upside down. And I'm going to show you things you've never seen.